Hey, what's up, North Point? Welcome to the weekend service. Whether you're watching through YouTube, Facebook, the app, or website, we're just glad that we get to worship together today. As we get started, I want to encourage you to make sure that you have the North Point app. You can download it from the Google Play or App Store at any time. It's a great way to stay connected with us, and you can follow along with this week's talk and even have sermon-based questions for your life group. There's also some family material that you can do with your kids during the week and ways to give as well. So right now, worship with us as we get ready to sing some praise. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church this morning. We're so glad you've uh, joined us for another week of online services. I hope you've had a great week together with your family. Um, and we're going to start with Raise a Hallelujah.
worship together and yet apart, but still be praising God all together at the same time. Isn't that just an incredible thing? So I've just been thinking the last few weeks, uh, one of the verses that keeps popping back in my head over and over is Hebrews 12, uh, 1 through 3. And I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. I encourage you to go and look it up. But it talks about how during difficult times when trials or just hard things are happening in life, that the importance of fixing our eyes on Jesus and that he's got this, like he's got this whole thing taken care of. That yes, things that can be hard, things can be difficult, but we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And what a better way to do that than to just worship together, even if though it's virtually across whatever platform you're using right now, that we are able to just come together and worship our God. Isn't that just an absolutely incredible thing? It's amazing. So I'm just so glad that you guys are here, that you're plugging in, that you're connecting with us through the interwebs, however it is that you're, you're watching this right now. It's so awesome. And I want to ask you to take a few seconds and to pull out your phone and pull out the North Point app. Uh, pull that up and if you take a look at the front part of the app, about two thirds of the way down, you'll see something that says, let's connect. And I'd love for you to click on that. And there is a chance for you to kind of do our virtual version of a check-in. Um, 
let us know that you're watching this lesson or you're here. It's kind of like part of our welcome book process. So fill that out. And let us know that you're here, that you're engaged, that you're a part of us watching this right now. And then also, if you have anything that you've made some decisions or if you've realized, you know what, during this time, I've, I've grown in my relationship with Jesus or maybe I've made a recommitment to him and maybe you've made a first time commitment to Jesus. We want to know about that. So we ask that you also would maybe take a chance and take some time and fill that out on that app as well in the connect part. And just let us know what's going on in your life. If you've made some commitments, if you've been challenged spiritually and growing there, we want to hear about it. Hey, North Point. Right now, we have an incredible opportunity to give back to God what he has so generously given to us. We're going to take up our offering electronically. If you've never given electronically before, there's a few different ways you can do this. You can go to our website, northpointcc.org, and click the online giving tab. You can also download the My North Point app to your phone and give that way. Or you can text NCCGIVE to 77977. I just want to share with you that when Jason and I were newly married, we were both working part-time jobs and completely broke. And to top it off, I didn't enjoy my job that much. And I remember asking Jason if I could quit for the summer, to which he said yes. We were trying to faithfully give to our church. But one week that summer, I realized that if we gave the full 10%, we would come up short with the rest of our bills. I called my dad and told him our dilemma and asked for advice. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, Hope, God knows our circumstances. So give what you can out of the goodness of your heart. Or tithe the full 10% and watch how God takes care of you. Well, that Sunday morning, I remember sitting at our dining room table and I had my checkbook open because yes, I still write checks. And I realized that I needed to tithe the full 10%. I threw it in the offering plate that morning, knowing that by the end of the week, we would come short on some of our bills. However, that same evening, within an hour of each other, I received two phone calls from families asking if I'd be interested in nannying their kids for the summer. God always provides. I know right now, some of you are facing tremendous financial hardship, but I wanna encourage you with the same wise words that my dad shared with me those many years ago. God knows your circumstance. So give what you can out of the goodness of your heart. Or maybe tie that full 10% and watch how God takes care of you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to give our first fruits to you. And we ask that you would bless this offering now, that it would be used for your kingdom. And we just ask now that you would open the hearts of each person watching as we listen now to the message that Rick has to share. Amen. Thanks to our Family Life team for hosting the service today. They're, they're usually in the background, but we're, we're just excited about them being able to be a part of the service today, to share their hearts for Jesus, and for you to get a chance to know who they are. So uh, thanks, team. They are great and doing a great job.
Um, we're jazzed about you being able to bring us into your living room or your dining room or your kitchen or wherever it is that you're watching today and, and participating in this. Uh, you folks who are out in Langsburg, in St. John's, in DeWitt, in Portland, in Eagle, in Lansing, wherever you are, even around the country, thanks for allowing us in. Our, it's our prayer today that you would, that you would experience the presence and the power and the peace of Jesus, and that you'd have clarity today on what it looks like to to uh, to pursue Jesus and to and to take steps towards Him. Uh, it may be that you're just watching today uh, online, and that you're not very connected to North Point, let me just encourage you to go to the North Point Facebook page. Every day there's a different staff member just sharing a little bit of of their heart. There's all kinds of things that are going on, opportunities to pray, opportunities to worship three nights a week, and uh, take advantage of that. This weekend is Palm Sunday. It's the time that we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Jesus came in on a donkey and the city went crazy. People threw their coats down on the ground so that the donkey could walk on this carpet. And, and children and, and adults waved palm branches and said, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. We thought it would be cool today to, to allow some North Point kids to, to uh, share that kind of experience, that Palm Sunday experience with us in a germ-free, sterile kind of way. Take it away, kids. Hosanna! Hosanna! love superheroes? Two things, I think. Superpowers and secret identities. Uh, Let's talk about secret identities for a second. Uh, I'm going to give you the names of 10 superheroes, and I want you to have a contest with whoever you're experiencing today's worship with, and you just shout out who they are. Keep track and find out who knows their their superheroes' secret identities better. So let me give you 10. Here we go. Peter Parker, Good. Clark Kent. Barbara Gordon. Steve Rogers. Diana Prince. Dick Grayson. King T'Challa. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Banner. Carol Danvers. Hey, how'd you do? Whoever won, give a, uh, give a socially distant high five to in your home. That'll be great. Miriam Webster Dictionary says identity is the distinguishing character or personality of an individual. The distinguishing character or, or personality of an individual. A person's identity is who you are at your core. The person that shows up in a time of crisis. You know, why is knowing your identity important? It's because your identity helps you understand where you fit and where you don't fit. Your true identity 
determines how you respond in the midst of circumstances that you find yourself in, whether they're good or bad. Let me, let me be very specific if I can this morning. In the middle of the COVID-19 crisis, if you don't know who you are, you're going to experience, uh, you're going to be swept up in fear, in anxiety, in reacting to each bit of news that, that uh, comes into your home. But if you do know who you are, all of a sudden that grounding, that sense of identity helps you determine how you're going to act and react to your circumstances. The circumstances are going to change, but they're not going to shake you because your identity is secure. Your identity is going to determine how you act or react because circumstances can't alter your identity. Your identity is established and it determines how you view the rest of the world. We're in this series called Powered from the book of Ephesians. Uh, if you've got a Bible close by, if you've got the North Point app, go ahead and open it up and go to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look in just a, a few minutes. We're going to start it at verse 11 of chapter 2. Last week, Chris talked about the transformation that takes place within us because of God. We were one way, but God came and changed that. He, uh, he talked about that transformation, that, that radical difference that happens in our lives. You were dead, but now you're alive. You used to live in sin, but now you live in grace. You used to follow the waves of the world, but now you're seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms. You used to gratify, gratify your flesh. Now you do whatever God says. You used to deserve wrath, but now you've been given a gift. You used to live like the rest of the world, but now you realize that you're God's handiwork, his masterpiece. The rest of chapter 2 really kind of expands on that transformation, that transformation, but it takes it from a personal level to a, to a much larger level. And it compares, again, who you were to who you are now because of a, a, a pivot point, a transition. A few weeks ago, I, sh I shared that the book of Ephesians was written by this guy named Paul, who was a church leader, and it was written to, the, to Christians that were in the town of Ephesus, a Greek port city. Uh, it was a, a really important city, and Paul had gone and won converts to Jesus there. Um, he had planted the church. He had spent about three years with the people there, helping them figure out what it meant to live a life fully devoted to Jesus. Um, most of the believers in the church in Ephesus weren't Jewish. Ephesus was a very pagan city, and the people who had, been, who had come to Christ there were out of that background. They weren't Jewish. They were pagans. They were Gentiles. You've got to know that in order for this next passage of Scripture to make sense. If I can take a step back and give you even a little bit more historical context, context it's this. God had a love for people, for the man, for man that he had created. And he made a promise to this man named Abraham. Abraham had tremendous faith in God. And, and God said, Abraham, because of your faith, I'm going to make you a promise. Your descendants, your children, your children's chil children, they're going to become like the stars in the sky, like the sand on the seashore. I'm going to be your God and you will be my people and while we don't understand really why he did this, God, God, God said to Abraham, here's the deal. I want you to remember this promise. 
And you're going to remember this promise by cutting part of your skin. And and that's going to be a constant reminder of this relationship that we have, this promise that I've made to to you and and the commitment that you've made to be my people. Um, So becoming a Jew was a really big deal. God's chosen people were the Jewish people. And the Jews didn't really have a very high perception, a high estimation of anyone, of anyone who wasn't Jewish. The Jews, Jews perceived the world, uh, the, the people of the world, in really four categories. There were the, the Jews who were, um, who were God's chosen people. There were proselytes that were people who weren't born Jewish but had decided to become Jewish and converted. There were people that they recognized were God-fearing people, that they believed in the one true God, but they weren't Jewish and they didn't plan on becoming Jewish. They were on the outside a little bit further. And then there were the Gentiles. The Gentiles were pagans. They were heathen. They were The, the Jews perceived them as being completely separate and so far away from God that they didn't matter at all. After all, the Jews were God's chosen people and the Gentiles or not. They were, they were just really kind of an afterthought. If that's your mindset, do you understand that, that the Jews' perception of their relationship with God, their commitment to him, eliminated the importance of anyone who wasn't Jewish? So in this letter that Paul writes to his friends, these people that he's poured his heart out to, out to in Ephesus, that he talks about who they were and who they are because of God. Listen to what he goes on to write in verse 11 verse, through verse 22 of Ephesians 2. Therefore, remember, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, circumcision which is done in the body by human hands, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ." For he himself is our peace, who has made two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new, one new humanity out of two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross." by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. 
And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Paul says to his friends, to these people that he has invested three years of personal contact, personal discipleship, helping them learn to what it means to follow Jesus. He's invested so much in them and he says, don't forget who you were. You were Gentiles. You were separated from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship. You were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You were without hope. You were without God in this world. You were one of the people that were so far from God that you didn't even have a prayer. Paul says, you're kind of like that kid in junior high that sits on the very top row of the stadium that wants to play football so bad. And they won't even let him in the weight room because he's so weak and puny. He can't even get close to the game because of his condition. Paul says, you were like that. You were like Steve Rogers before the engineering accident. Just like that phrase we, we talked about last week where, where Chris said, you were this way, but now you're this way. But God changed everything. In verse 13 of chapter 2, there's a similar pivot point that's there. You were separated from God, but, but, but Paul says this, but now Jesus changed everything. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You were an outsider, but not anymore. You didn't belong, but now you do. You were an orphan living on the street trying to survive, but now in Christ, by his blood, you're a part of the family of God. That's incredible news. How did that happen? There's only one way it happened, and that's that Jesus made it possible. Jesus destroyed that barrier that existed up to this point that said you had to become a Jew in order to have a relationship with God. Jesus on the cross changed that. He, uh, he set aside the law and the regulations and the commands, Paul says. He did it with his flesh at tremendous expense. That system that existed that you had to be a Jew, you had to become a proselyte, you had, to, you had to have that kind of relationship to know God. That was destroyed when Jesus went to the cross and took our sins on himself. It was all Jesus. Uh, Paul writes to the church in Rome and says, you see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, for us, for the Gentiles, for those who were far away. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still far off, Christ died for us. By going to the cross, by dying in our place, by taking our punishment on himself, Jesus destroyed the hoops that you had to jump through in order to have a relationship with God. Jesus eliminated the red tape so that everyone, no matter their background, could experience peace with God. 
so that everyone could be reconciled to him. Please hear me on this. You have to understand what a big deal this is. God had an exclusive relationship with the Jews. He was their God. They were his people. It was, it was them. And everyone else was on the side. Everyone else was not a part of the plan. Everyone else was removed from the opportunity to have a relationship with God. But when Jesus went to the cross, all of that changed. Without Jesus, you and I would not have mattered to God. When Jesus came, when he willingly went to the cross for us, when he took our sin on himself, he blew up that system. He made it possible for everyone to be right with God. It doesn't matter where you're from or how good or how bad your family background is. It doesn't matter whether you were raised by your birth parents or by adoptive parents or by so many step-parents that like you live in a stairway. You are welcomed into the family of God. It doesn't matter if you came from a long line of alcoholics or drug addicts or control freaks or quiet librarians. You are welcome in the family of God. It doesn't matter if you came from poverty or if you came from wealth, if you came from beauty or not so much beauty, if you came from coordination or awkwardness, you are welcomed by Jesus into the family of God. It doesn't matter if you've never looked at a Bible or if you grew up going to Sunday school and and knew all 66 books of the Bible, if you could memorize all kinds of scripture, Jesus blew up all of the requirements that were set in place that existed so that you could have a relationship with God. A few months ago, a friend recommended a book to me on on leadership called Chess, Not Checkers. It's, It's a great book. Basically, it says uh, chess and checkers are a lot alike. They use the exact same board, 64 squares, red and black, alternating, all that kind of thing. Um, checkers is a pretty simple game you learn when you're, when you're young. And, and, and checkers is a great game. There's strategy in it, but relatively a few number of moves. Checkers is a great game unless you're playing with people who are playing chess. This book on leadership says, you know what, if you're an adult, if you're working in the world and you're playing chess or checkers, when everyone else is playing checkers, you're going to be lost and you've got to change the way that you think. Um, The Jewish system to have a right relationship with God, it really was like a game of chess. There were sacrifices for some sins and different sacrifices for other sins. There are sacrifices that you can make by yourself, or sacrifices that the priest had to make for you. There were things that you needed to do. There were things that other people needed to do. There were 612 laws that you needed to keep, all to have an authentic relationship with God. The Jewish system was chess on steroids. But then there's that that phrase in verse 13, but Jesus. But Jesus came and he threw out the kings and the queens and the rooks and the bishops and the pawns and the castles and replaced them with himself. He said, you know what? It's really quite simple. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. All the hoops are gone the laws, the circumcision, the sacrifices, 
because I've taken your punishment on myself. It's checkers, not chess. And Jesus says, so king me. Let me be the king of your life. Why did Jesus blow up that old system? Paul says it's pretty clear. It's so that there wouldn't be two groups, but there would be one group. We we were all living lives of sin anyway. The The Jews were living in sin. The Gentiles were living in sin. Jesus' death on the cross put us all in the same place, fully dependent on Jesus, completely dependent on him to be made right with God. So here's the question. What's the challenge from this passage of Scripture? What's the the challenge for us today from the end end of Ephesians 2? It's to know who you are, to know your identity. It's to understand that Jesus came to reconcile you to God. And if you know him, if you love him, if you are being transformed by him, to live with that identity 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Paul finishes this passage and says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Everything hinges on Jesus. Everything rests on him. Everything rests on his death, burial, and resurrection. Many of us live like Bruce Banner after the the Battle of Sokovia, where he escapes and retreats and hides in India, afraid that his true identity will be known. He wants to just live in obscurity with no one paying attention to him. So many of us believe in God. We have a kind of relationship with him, but we're afraid to let our real identity show. I I think my favorite scene in all of the Marvel movies is at the end of of, uh, Iron Man 1, the, the first Iron Man movie, when Tony Stark comes out for the press conference and he's got the press release that, that, uh, uh, that Pepper and Rhodey want him to read and he takes it out and he looks at it and he starts into it and finally he just says, I am, I am Iron Man. He's revealed himself to the world. From that point on in Iron Man 2, in Iron Man 3, in all the Avengers movies, all 23 of them, Tony Stark doesn't pretend to be anything except who he is. He's Iron Man. His identity is clear. His identity defines all of his actions from that point forward. I want to I give you a very specific challenge from this message today. It's to live in your true identity as a follower of Jesus. To live out your identity in the midst of this COVID crisis with confidence and clarity and boldness. Don't be obnoxious. Just be who you are. A grateful, humble person whose life has been changed by Jesus. Don't be oblivious to danger. I'm not saying that. But don't be paralyzed by danger either. Historically, the people of God, followers of Jesus, have always run to a crisis and not away from it. 
That's the challenge for us. God, how can you use me today at this time, in this place, to live out my love for you, to love other people who are in need, recognizing that this world is not our home. I want to give you a very specific challenge as we finish today. If you know your identity, if you know who you are in Christ, if you recognize that you are far away but have been brought into God's family but because of Jesus, I want to challenge you to take some time on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, whatever it is, today, this week, and record a 30 or 45 second video that just says, hey, here's the story of my life. This is who I was before Jesus. And this is the difference that Jesus has made in me now. Uh, maybe, Maybe that's kind of the wrong perspective for you. Maybe what you need to do is to just simply say, you know what? This is how I'm dealing with the COVID crisis because Jesus is in my life. I want to encourage you to post that this week before Easter on Facebook or Twitter, whatever it is, uh, in Instagram, and, 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 and to just let your friends, the people who follow you, see the story of Jesus and how he has transformed your life. If you want to link that uh, with an invitation to celebrate uh, Easter Sunday at North Point, I think there could be no greater invitation for people to worship together than to say, this is how God has changed my life. There is power in knowing who you are. Your, identify, your identity clarifies who you are regardless of the circumstances. There's power in knowing that Jesus lives in you, that he has transformed you. Let's go out and change the world. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the scripture and for this incredible truth that we were far off and you brought us close. God, that we weren't a part of your family and now we are. God, that, that, that we were outside of the plan and you have made us the center of the plan. God, I, I pray for North Point today that you would embolden us, that you would help us to live with a boldness and a clarity that comes from understanding who our identity is in you, that that identity is established because Jesus died for us. Father, we thank you for that pivot point in history, that pivot point in our lives, and we pray through Jesus. Hey, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never made a commitment to him, now's the time to do it. Contact us. Let us know. We would love to help you take that step. Have a great day, North Point. Thanks for being with us today. Go for a walk later. Have a conversation with your spouse, with your kids, with yourself about who you are. Remember that God lives in you. God lives in you. Let it show. Yeah. Uh-huh.